Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I can't believe it. It's already the 1st of February, which is absolutely mental. January has flown by. We'll give a little bit of a wrap of that in a moment. But just just before we do, as always, I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, living the dream out in Australia. Josh, how are you? How's your week been? Yeah, I'm good, Sam. I'm good, thank you. Uh, Yeah, must say, still living the dream. How about you? Yeah, not bad. I mean, listen, if if someone was in this room with me and they looked outside, they'd see blue sky, no clouds. So I really, we could imagine we're in Australia uh, right now. I saw a picture you posted, I think it was the back end of last week. I think it might even been on the, the bank holiday you had where you're down the beach, blue skies. Um, was it was it Thursday, the bank holiday? Was, was it? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, bank holiday on a Thursday. It doesn't get much better than that, I don't think. Oh. But um yeah yeah down the beach it was it was it was fantastic <laughs> decent decent well okay well let's just have a quick look uh at january so the s p 500 will be our, our focus point here this closed up 6.2 percent and that's the second strongest start in 30 years uh and there's a saying as january goes the year goes 73 percent of the time so in theory we've got a 73 percent chance that the year is going to finish up NASDAQ 10.7% higher, so that's the best since 2001, uh, which is pretty remarkable too. Uh, We'll all be having our fingers crossed that we can uh, continue this upward trajectory. But what a week we've got uh, ahead of us, uh, starting today with some really interesting things. If anyone is listening today on the Wednesday, of course, you've got the Federal Reserve meeting later this evening and some massive, massive earnings. So, of course, we'll we'll start with the quiz question to, to kick us all off. And then we can talk about the implications of the Fed rate decision before wrapping up with specific focus on Apple and Meta as they report their latest earnings. Josh, sound good? Sounds good to me. Amazing. Okay, well, look, as, as I said, it's worth mentioning that it is a mammoth week in markets. You've got not just the Fed, you've got the Bank of England, you've got the ECB, you've got non-farm payrolls all happening this week. Uh, so, yeah, medium termers will, will be keeping an eye on where things close come Friday evening uh, before potentially changing anything with their portfolios. But before we discuss some of those things that could impact some of those decisions, let's get our quiz question going. I think this one's going to be quite tough. Here we go. What is the average intra-year drawdown of the S&P 500? For reference, the max drawdown last year was minus 25.4% and in 2021 it was 
minus 5.2. So therefore, if it was over the last two years, the average would be minus 15.3. But yeah, what's the uh, average drawdown of the S&P 500 historically? Have a think, write an answer down, and we will give it to you at the end of the podcast. Hard question, I think, Josh, or do you reckon our, our listeners will have this in the bag? No, I think that's a hard one. I think there'll be some good guesses, though. I reckon, you know, we've uh, we've we've certainly scrubbed our listeners up on their financial history. I reckon we could see some of them on Mastermind soon, the amount of knowledge we're throwing <laughs> at them. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, do, do you think, should we, should we ask chat GPT? Do you think, that, do you think they can Ooh. answer? Um, well, you'd like to hope so. Although, I mean, their knowledge goes up to 2021, doesn't it, I think? Um, but yeah, I mean, what chat GPT should sure. um, It's incredible, chat GPT, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 game changing. Um, have we got an answer? Can't answer it. Can't answer. Wow. It says the maximum drawdown of the S and P five hundred is a measure of the largest peak to trough decline in the value of the index during a specific period. It is calculated as the percentage decrease in the value of the index from its highest point to its lowest point. Mm-hmm. The average maximum drawdown of the S and P five hundred over a long period of time is difficult to determine as it depends on the specific time frame considered and the market con- conditions during that time. So. Maybe if we gave it some dates, it might be able to yeah. tell us. But as of right now, it can't tell us. So. Well, have you ever heard someone not know the answer to a question but sound ridiculously intelligent in the way they responded? Fair play, <laughs> chat GPT. Well, maybe we'll go back to that the, the back end of, of the podcast um, when I reveal the answer. Uh, and hopefully chat GPT will be listening to us somehow out there. Um, first up on the podcast, uh, as we said, is is the Fed. Massive week. I mean, we've got the red decision, 7 p.m. UK time uh, this evening. For 30 minutes after that will be the press conference. And then on Friday, we've got non-farm payroll. So the jobs report from the previous month, which, of course, is January. Uh, so rather than getting you to predict what the Fed will do in a matter of hours, It'd be good, I guess, to to suggest what we need to look at when concluding what they've done. So what do we need to keep an eye on for both a positive market reaction and negative? You know, those bears just won't keep quiet at the moment. So I'm sure they'll be eagerly awaiting uh, for this much as the bulls. I, I saw um, Michael Berry uh, tweeted earlier, just one word tweet, sell. Uh, and I think it already had 7 million views on, on Twitter. So, yeah, he, he, he will be on the bear side of things. Um, but this rate decision could change things. Yeah, I think, you know, when you get when you get a perma bear, they're, they're a perma bear. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. You're never going to change no matter what. Um, but, yeah, look, the, the Fed decision is, is pretty much hanging over everything this week and, and pretty much all investors across the sort of the globe – We've seen a sort of a bit of risk off in markets, that sort of positioning for obviously what's coming. Look, as we sort of said, we're not going to sort of really anticipate what the Fed are going to do because we basically know what the Fed are going to do. Um, It's essentially a 25 basis point move nailed on. Um, But as you say, I think that focal point is going to be the tone and the commentary that officials sort of give um you know afterwards and we've obviously got jay power sort of consistent efforts to sort of push traders back um away from sort of thinking that rate cuts are going to come later in the year because you know he, he doesn't want markets to sort of get ahead of themselves and 
and the rally in stocks that we've seen to start of the year sort of suggests that the market has sort of brushed off what Powell has said and his sort of warning of higher for longer interest rates. So, you know, really at the minute we, we've had a pretty hawkish Fed, I think, you know, everything, you know, said and, and sort of you know wrapped up. But do they still need to take that hawkish stance? Well, this is the question, as we've said, we Jay Power sort of stayed on on the sort of the offense, if you like. He he sort of you know continued to say that they want to get inflation under control. But, you know, given the due, it might not have done it as quickly as possible, but inflation have started to come down. You know, energy costs have retreated, price of core goods have declined, and the housing market is cooling pretty quickly in the US as well. So there are a few sort of um you know, issues. Uh, I think Cali, Cali, obviously our US investment analyst has pointed this to this a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the sort of the issues that we've still really got is, is, um, is sort of volatile prices is the wage sensitive category of consumer prices known as core services. So that's still sort of really eating into inflation at the moment, still keeping it sticky. Um, and they might point to that again in their commentary if they're going to take that sort of hawkish stance. But I think in the statement, I think they will recognize that inflation is still well above target, but they will also point to the low level of unemployment and solid payroll gains that I think will give the Fed some insurance from actually pushing the economy into a recession. Um, We obviously get another update on employment on Friday from non-farms as well. Uh, so I think that the, the Fed are, are going to lift rates again. I, I think we're probably going to see that even after this meeting. I know a pause has sort of probably been discussed for after the February meeting, but I think they'll raise again at a slower pace, um, but also be able to sort of react to sort of incoming data. They said they always would, but I feel they have that, that sort of insurance policy behind them with, you know, actually a, an economy that it is still pretty strong, even though it is, you know, weakening. Um, so yeah, I think, as I say, forward guidance, I think it's going to show that they, in, that they sort of plan to, to sort of continue raising rates. Um, but we'll sort of assess sort of what's, you know, coming through in terms of data and obviously the economy. Uh, again, I think that statement's going to be an interesting balance between obviously bringing down inflation, but also without over tightening, um, because that's the biggest, I think, worry for investors at the moment is that they do go too far. And the Fed obviously do have a history of of over tightening. Um, but can we see some belief from Powell that a soft landing without, you know, a recession is is, is possible? You know, is, is he going to allude to that at all? I don't think so. Um I don't think he'll want to get ahead of himself, but I, I think he could allow himself that bit of leeway, really. But let's see. I think it's going to be interesting because if he does come out with, you know, a, you know, let's say a dovish stance, so he's, you know, really sort of saying that, okay, inflation is coming down, we're really doing well here, and, you know, there is a possibility that they could avoid a recession, well, I think that could drive markets higher, but he won't want markets to get ahead of themselves. So, again, we could still see that hawkish tone, so it's a bit of a balance, um, but I think he will allow himself, um, you know, you know, a bit of a pat on the back, if you like, inflation is coming down. And I don't think he'll probably lean towards saying um, that rate cuts will come at the end of the year, although the market is already pricing that in. I think he'll probably still stay on the front foot, maybe allowing himself a bit of a dovish stance at the same time. Yeah, going to be interesting either way. Um, I, I know there'll be many technical analysts out there looking at the 
S&P 500, the trend line from the all-time high, which we're sort of flirting near, above, below, depending what time you're looking at it. And the 200-day moving average is in and around there as well. Not a bad sort of guide for this week above. We seem to have survived below. The bears are starting to to take over a little bit. Um, For those that are trading later tonight or also on the non-farm payroll the the sort of correlation that you're going to see in markets is going to be very much a monetary policy correlation rather than a risk on risk off so if we are to have a dovish reaction equities across the board for the us are likely to go higher gold is likely to go higher as we have dollar weakness the dollar pairs also likely to go higher your euro against the dollar the pound against the dollar aussie dollar exact for example likely to push to the upside and the price of t-notes as well likely to whereas if it's hawkish the opposite reaction so just bear that in mind where you know in a risk on risk off situation you could have gold and bonds higher and equities lower you know they're going to move in correlation this time out next up on our podcast let's talk about apple how are you seeing this i mean their, their share price is still a fair bit from those highs so investors will be watching this earnings report very closely. But what what should they focus on on more than others? Because there's going to be people thinking, okay, we're you know significantly off the high. What an opportunity to get in to target back to those highs. But there'll also be people thinking, hang on, there's a reason we're actually significantly off those uh, those peaks that we've had. Yeah, I mean, look at just in terms of just looking at a broader view of, of earnings so far. I think it's offered a bit of relief to, to markets. We've had probably a bit of better um, news than sort of anticipated. It's been less bad. I know that's, um, you know, uh, sort of sort of a line that, that Ben Lader likes to use a lot, sort of less bad. And, and, and it is exactly that. We're not seeing anything that's, you know, really setting the world alight, but outlooks are driving stocks. And we saw that again overnight with Snap and AMD. Stronger than expected guidance from AMD was well received by the market. But, you know, let's be frank, it wasn't, you know, again, as I say, setting the world alight, it wasn't exactly uh, breathtaking, but it just beat, you know, what the market had expected, which was bad. So it was just less bad. Um, And that's, I think, a real key focus for Apple, because I think it could be a really tough report for Apple. But there is a bit of room for outperformance because earnings estimates have been heavily revised since December. They've come down, which then sets a pretty low bar um, and gives the opportunity for these companies such as Apple to sort of outperform. Um, But really looking at the quarter supply chain problems from China will obviously be the biggest hurdle with, you know, lockdowns. They had the closure of its Foxconn plan in the quarter as well. We've also got a strong dollar, you know, in Q4 as well, that could also be a bit of a headwind given that, you know, a huge, huge amount of their revenue is is obviously um, made outside of US dollars as well. But just to sort of drill down on those numbers, revenue is expected to be at 121 billion, which would show actually a decline of 2% year over year. And that would drop from 11% revenue growth in the same period a year ago. Um, and it's actually the first year over year revenue growth decline since 2019, if those numbers do come in uh, on the nose. So again, we're seeing growth slow. And that is exactly what I was pointing to. We're not seeing anything that's you know exciting here, but we're just sort of looking for something that um, is a bit better than what we were expecting. So I think the focus for investors on on the call will be on its growth forecast for the year and what lies ahead in in what is a difficult economic backdrop. Um, because 
ultimately high profile purchases are probably going to take a back seat. We had retail sales here in Australia, uh, absolutely crater uh, in the last few days. You know, are people really going to have the capital to be going out and spending $3,000 on a phone or whatever it might be these days? Um, and then that brings us back to the underlying sort of demand story for Apple. Um, are we in an upgrade cycle where actually ultimately users have got four-year-old iPhones and we use an iPhone every day? So although it is a big ticket item, it's at the top of the list. So uh, I think that, you know, they have such a good brand reputation, Apple. We're going to probably continue to see for years and years to come, you know, users just upgrade their products from iPhones to MacBooks, um, especially if we see the release of the um, iPhone 15 in 2023 as well. Um, and then just a couple of things I think to, to sort of look out for as well is obviously a lot of other companies in terms of tech have announced layoffs, Meta, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, they've all done it. You know, Apple haven't done that. They've avoided those tech layoffs. That's due to them actually being very strategic with their hiring and being more prudent with its hiring. Um, so from September, I think it's 2019 to about September of this year, Apple's headcount grew by 20%. Um, in comparison, and, and this is great for context, we saw the those other tech names that actually have made those layoffs higher like crazy. So Microsoft's headcount jumped by 53%. Uh, we had Alphabet's headcount jump by 57% and Meta's by 94% during the same period. So that's why we've seen Apple really avoid these sort of layoffs. And again, those sort of cost cutting measures haven't really affected them as much. Again, you're probably still going to see redundancies within the business, but not as in this sort of mass scale. So I would expect some more cost cutting news on the call, but I wouldn't expect mass layoffs. Uh, and just for context, more context as well. CEO Tim Cook uh, has actually just had his pay package slashed by more than 40%. He earned close to $100 million in 2022 um, and shareholders pushed back on that quite heavily. So we, we could see that sort of change. Um, and just the very final thing, I think, just to keep an eye out on, on for this call would just be that sort of continued move from Apple um, to services, um, not away from hardware, but just a diversification in terms of revenue. At the moment, hardware is, is still dominating Apple's revenue with the iPhone at 51% of revenue. We have services, you know, which include Apple Pay and Apple Music. That's about 20%. I think that could be huge for Apple in the future. Um, I think I've seen reports of a hardware subscription model down the line as well. You know, we, we never know when we're going to get an update from Apple. And I think in an environment like we're seeing right now, you know, it, it's a time to sort of try and bring out something new, take a focus away from what is a, you know, really difficult economic environment and, and excite um, shareholders and uh, obviously consumers at the same time. So something to look out for. Like I say, I think there's going to be a bit of difficulty, but those earnings estimates have come down. So there's a bit of room for even though if if it is a poor quarter, uh, it actually could still beat those expectations. Um, so plenty to watch for from Apple. Yeah, Apple, as of yesterday's close, so Tuesday evening, Apple was up 11% this year. Just for a bit of comparison, uh, some other companies that have had a very strong start to the year. I mean, we mentioned the NASDAQ best uh, January since 2001. So you can imagine a lot of tech-related stocks have had a pretty good start. Spotify is up 43%, Shopify 42 Tesla 41%, NVIDIA 34%, AMC up 31%, Snap 
up 29 crm 27 meta plus 24 amazon plus 23 and netflix 20 percent higher paypal and google 14 13 percent all above that apple 11 percent. i was just looking at the the chart just while you were talking there josh and i promise you i was listening too but um it'll be really interesting to see where apple closes at the end of the week i mean if it was to close where it is now around that sort of 144 dollar a share I have to say the bulls would be pretty happy. What would worry me as an investor would be uh, if Apple's share price got below 140 bucks per share. Technically, seems to uh, strike me as a, an important what currently is support zone, uh, but you wouldn't want that to turn to resistance. So one to watch uh, as Apple report their earnings after market close on Thursday. Uh, finally, we would talk now about meta and as i said it's had a pretty good start to the year up 24 percent as of yesterday's close that's going to be our focus now glass half full we'll we'll mention how much it is up for the low from those lows uh you know and it started recovering if you like to say that at the back end of last year so it's up significantly more than what it's been up in january glass half empty people will mention just how far away it is from the all-time high um and it is significant either way once the dust the dust settles from this latest earnings report we're going to know a little bit more but what will investors be focusing on here in particular do you think look i I think just the main focal point here is our advertisers still spending on their platforms Mm. i think that's the key um looking at snap uh, again, I come back to it just because I think it's a bit of a bellwether for for sort of that that market. Um, it, you know, it sort of usually is is ahead of ahead of time. They were sort of laying off staff well before anybody else in the industry, and, and really saw you know a bit of difficulty before anyone else did. Um, but it doesn't look great from from Snap's results, and Meta actually fell um, you know after hours last night on the results as well. Uh, however, though, what I would say is when budget cuts do start for advertisers, they tend to start with the smaller brands um, like Snap and tend to stick with those bigger names like Facebook and Instagram, you know, those sort of solid names of huge users that they can probably keep a bit of faith in. So, again, similar theme from tech earnings. We aren't looking for anything to set the world alight, but we want some robust results that can offer some positives after what, let's be honest, was a pretty dismal 2022. So, are we still seeing, you know, spending from advertisers? You know, is that still happening? Yes, even if it is slowing down, let's see something that, okay, let's see a little beat. Let's get some positivity in there. Are we still getting daily active users move to Facebook because that slowdown in 2022? So we'd love to see those numbers really, you know, um, coming back because ultimately if we're seeing growth in numbers for Facebook in daily active users, then advertisers then have stats to go off and okay, great, we're still attracting new users to the platform. That was the one positive that we could take from from Snap last night. Daily active users actually increased by a pretty decent amount, even though the whole earnings were pretty dismal all in all. But it sort of does set, you know, the wheels in motion for at some point to sort of have a you know ha- have outperformance down the line so that's something that we can look out for um what are we expecting wall street projects a sales drop of six percent that's the third straight period of declines um for facebook or meta if you like if it comes through as expected and uh, that would be a 31.6 billion um 
I'm going to come back to it again, but I think the, the, the focus is going to be what Mr. Zuckerberg gives us in terms of that outlook for 2023. What are their plans to navigate this difficult environment? But importantly, you know, what's going on with the metaverse? Um, you know, their related cost uh, to, you know, Reality Labs is, is again, insane. It's, it's set to post, I think, another operating loss around $4 billion for this quarter. Um, so does that mean we're going to see some more conversations around cost cutting? Um, is that going to be, you know, more layoffs? We already had 13% of their workforce go. And as I mentioned, those tech names earlier, they were, you know, 96% increase since, uh, what was it? 2019 or 2018. So, you know, a huge number there. So they've got to scale back, um, especially in this environment, wall street will applaud it if they do find cost cutting exercises, um, and since announcing those layoffs in November, the stock has done pretty well, as you say in there, Sam, sort of up from its lows. Yeah. Look, long term, I still think it's a powerhouse in social, you know, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram more than anything. You know, I think it's huge. Again, we have TikTok, but I think Instagram's that one app that for pretty much any age between sort of, you know, 13 to even, you know, older generations, you know, 60, you know, whatever. And my mum has Instagram. I know your mum uses yeah. Instagram, Sam, uh, for her fantastic um, art. Yeah, everyone but, go know, check exactly... that out. Everyone go check that out. <laughs> go, and, go, and, go and check out Mrs. North. Um, but I think that's it. I think that's a really good point, right? It's that, you know, Snap is a much younger generation, but Instagram, you get a huge broad range of users on it so i think that's you know huge for for meta moving forward that's going to obviously help ad spend then obviously you've got that innovation from the metaverse which at the moment is obviously you know a huge pain but it offers some great future growth if it can come through but again short-term headwinds there's plenty at play you know regulation uh, over social media you know, ongoing costs from the metaverse, as I mentioned, and obviously a potential recession on the card. So plenty of headwinds, again, lots of long-term potential, but I want to hear from Zuckerberg how he's going to navigate this period, if he's going to sort of continue to, you know, cut costs and find ways to, um, you know, preserve margins, you know, and also how's he going to continue driving revenue because we're, we're seeing that drop off in growth. So again, outlook is, is going to be the key. Yeah, yeah, and that again is is Thursday after market close for their earnings report. Uh, I have to say, uh, I, I'm glass half full, and you know when you're talking about the share price in 2021 being closer to 400 than 300, and we're now trading at 148, 150, you know it, it can be pretty odd to say that. Uh, but technically, what what would I like to see to make me still be half glass half full? I, I would like price to really at the back end of this week continue to push higher obviously but above levels i mean we're actually trading on a very important point 153 was the low from the beginning of the summer now that is is quite an important point if we can get above that what i would really like to see is at, at some point uh, meta share price above 160 on a weekly and daily close that would be would be nice and make me feel real confident what i wouldn't like to see and you know if we were to fast forward a week and i'd sit here and say now i'm not that confident is if share price goes below 137 on the weekly close a very important and historical level for meta share price that's not what i think bulls would want to see and at the end of the day the market is an auction isn't it uh, and if, if more sellers come in and take it below that price for me sentiment changes pretty clearly so the bulls i think want to see price remain above 137 and ideally above 16 
three worth keeping an eye on that uh back to our our quiz question then so the average um intra-year drawdown of the s&p 500 josh do, do you do you want to have a guess yourself um of of the answer i mean i'll, I'll just chuck a few outliers so 2008 was minus 48.8 percent 2020 was minus 33.9%. 2001, minus 29. 2002, minus 33. 1987, minus 33. But there, you know, until you go back into the sort of mid-70s and the early part of uh, the 1920s, 30s, they're the they're sort of the, the big numbers. But what what would uh, – is, is, do, you, do you think you can have an educated guess? Unless you already know. Uh, chat gpt has given me an answer oh go on well so again i had to put in numbers so i put in between 1960 and 2020 but i think okay. it's actually a good answer and probably what i would have guessed it at um but it's given me 20 percent yeah i mean from from 1928 which of course the, the s&p 500 futures was later than 1928 uh it's gone for si- minus 16.4 but it, in the sort of 1920s and 30s let me just 1929 to 1934 i'll just quickly run through the drawdowns minus 44 minus 44 minus 57 minus 51 minus 29 minus 29 and so it just goes to show that's really bringing that average up so yeah from the 60s chat gpt is going to be bang on the money there but really over the last Hundred or so years, the S and P five hundred, yeah, minus sixteen point four percent, yeah, pretty incredible. Haven't had back to back down years for the S and P five hundred as we know since two thousand one and two thousand and two. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting stat there. Let us know if you got that right, got it wrong. Hate the quiz, love the quiz. I mean, I'm still going to do it either way, but uh, yeah, give us, <laughs> give us some feedback on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Josh, what a week this week is going to be um, for, for for markets. I I tweeted at the back end of last week that I would be waiting if I was anyone looking to make changes to my medium term portfolio. I'd be waiting for this week to to really pass because I mean, we we could have a a, a really dovish Fed, talkish press conference. And then non-farm payrolls that then sends markets the other way. It, it, you know, no harm sitting on the sidelines this week, is there? No, exactly that. And, you know, there's no need to jump in if you don't. And, you know, trade what you see. I think that's one of your favourite sayings. So um, let's just see how, how things play out. No need to get in straight away. If the market moves, then, you know, trade it, trade it how you see it. Yeah, trade uh, what you see, not what you think. And if you don't like what you see, then trade. And on that note, we will wrap it up for today. Josh, has always been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Sam, and hope everyone has a great week. Take care, everyone. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com. 